Welcome to Out of Game episode 26. In today's episode, we give a mini review of Psy and continue our yearly tradition by giving you the best and worst of Gen Con 2016. This is your host, Ryan. Join me, Chris, and Tim as we go Out of Game. Welcome to episode 26 of Out of Game. 26. This is Ryan. This is Chris. And this is Tim. And we are a podcast about board, board games. games. Although this time we're mostly talking about board game conventions. What are we talking about this, this episode? <laughs> Thanks, Chris, for picking up on that. So today we're going to be talking about the best and the worst of Gen Con 2016. It was a good event. Lots to talk about. Yeah. But you know what they want to hear before we talk about that? What's that? The spawn point. Spawn point. So, Chris, last time uh, you had nothing for the spawn point. I've got some things. All right. Let's hear it. So, I've come up with a new term. Uh Uh-oh. Good. That we can apply to gaming. Now, I've taken a lot of heat for my views on what is random. This is true. The random element of gaming and, and the fact that there's kind of a gray area there. So, I've come up with a more positive way to put this, and I'm using a positive term. It's called the DAR rating, or (laughs) Decisions Affect Results. Okay. So this is the way to rate a game highly if the decisions you make in the game directly correspond to a result in the game. So versus, you know, the best game to use is War. The card game War is the ultimate random game, right? You're just like pulling random cards out and you win or lose based on... You didn't do any decision-making. You know, robo-rally is like one step higher than that. <laughs> you decided how much to shuffle. There was that's, a decision. That, that's why it's not – it doesn't have a rating of zero. It has a rating of 0.01 because you do have to figure out how you're shuffling. Sometimes you have those tiebreakers. You kind of have a – you know. Anyway, so <laughs> – That'd be called war. That's like the whole point of the game, right? Tied, so war. Break the tie. <laughs> yeah, those are called wars, Chris. They are? I thought the game was called War. Well, it is. It is, but it's based off of that element of the game. You got the tie, and then you go to war, and you put the... I thought you were just going to war from the very beginning. Well, it is, but I guess this is the (laughs) specific battle. This is the uh, Battle of Bunker Hill. Yeah, but it doesn't decide anything. It just decides that one battle. Yeah, that's how you lose your aces. That's true. That's a good point. Okay, well, anyway... (laughs) (laughs) We just had a theme discussion about war. (laughs) So, games like... Um, Cyclades, Kalis, Dead of Winter, Scythe, which we'll be talking about. You know, even social games like Spyfall have a higher DAR rating because the decisions you make translate. And so I think it'll be interesting as time goes along to talk about this decisions affecting results and how that works into what makes games fun. Because I think that's different for different people. The DAR rating. I'm going to call it the DAR. It's going to be the DAR. Okay with that? DAR rating. The DAR. Dar. You can call it the DAR, but... If it's the DAR rating, then it's the D-A-R... Decisions of oh, results yeah, it's, it's, rating. It's the pirate. There's it's two R's. Dar. Well, we'll just, we'll just add two R's to the end and just call it the DAR. All right. The DAR. <laughs> all right. Is that it? That's all I've that's got. That's your whole spawn point? Wow. That's my spawn point. Well, I so like you, it, though. Th- over the last month, that's what you've been pondering. Well, unless Ryan has a question <laughs> he wants to ask me. <laughs> I might. I might have a question in my spawn I, point. I have the feeling Ryan's going to ask me a question, yeah. so I'm gearing my extra time for oh, that. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to X-Wing, of course. Yep. So, had that fleet flip that we had talked about where my brother took over my TIE X-7 fleet, and then I flew his scum fleet, and he won. What? Whoa. He won. 
Wow. And it was it was not too close, but I mean there was uh he still had like three ships on the table and when he wiped me out, so there was much glee and much celebration and actually I was kinda happy I lost. Yeah. You know what, Tim? I I have a feeling Tim's in a slump right now. Are you feeling like at Gen Con his yeah. winning percentage wasn't what it should have yeah. been? Yeah, I think you're just in a slump. It could be. It could be Which but is I- strange but- <laughs> What's happening next episode? Right. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Maybe by then he'll get out of the slump. So did you help him at all this game or did he? This one, I mean, I, I did because he would like do his tie move and then he would not put the evade token that he earned by doing a three, four or five maneuver. And it's like, dude, evade token, evade token, evade <laughs> token. So, yeah, I was kind of helping him along. But, you know, I was happy to actually see him beat me because then it kind of pumped him up and stuff so he's actually been spending a lot of time on the uh, fantasy flight uh, wow. chats like reading like strategies well stuff? no like chatting and kind of putting posts out there and asking for tips and wow. tricks and those kind of things so okay. he's kind of doing more research and stuff and the good thing about that x7 fleet is it's it's generics i mean all the ships are all the same there's really no, there's like one special pilot in there that's got a special ability which almost never fires but he doesn't forget his things because there's nothing to forget ex- except the evade token, yeah. which he did quite a bit too. So <laughs> He's getting there. Yeah. The, getting the there. true test will be if he can ever beat you without you helping him. Yes. We'll see if that ever happens. Playing solo. <laughs> yes. No pun intended. My friend Aaron told me he wants to challenge you to a match. Oh. So Aaron Dean, if you're out there, are you, do you accept his challenge, Tim? We'll have to figure out how to do this, yeah. Maybe we could do this at the Out of Game Invitational. Oh, yeah. You just show up to Tim's. But now yeah, do we do, uh, do uh, cause, you know, I typically am playing uh, Epic format. Yeah. So I have to, we'd have to find out whether we're doing 100 points or... You could talk to him about it because yeah. I don't know much about it. But he, so I know he has a lot of, has been thrown, though. Yeah, he has so, a lot of stuff, I though. so. I said, you know, Tim's pretty good. And he's like, so am I. <laughs> so, so I think he's ready. Uh, might not, I might have to wait till I'm out of my slump then. Anyways, Ben Van Brandt, one of our listeners, sent us an email. He said, hello, Out of Game Podcast. I was just listening to your podcast while working, and you mentioned my country. Belgium is the country, and Belgian is the adjective. You can have Belgian waffles, though we even differentiate between a Brussels waffle, rectangular shape, light dough, see picture on the left. Sorry, you guys can't see the picture. And a liege waffle, rectangular shape with rounded edges, heavy dough, see picture on the right, another picture you can see. liege? Liege? I don't know. L I E G E. Liege? We should, we should explain what this, what <laughs> I, I'm this gonna, is. I'm going to explain. Okay. Let me finish the email. Belgian ale is either ale from Belgium or ale brewed following the traditional Belgian brewing procedures. So you can have a Belgian ale that is actually made in the U.S. You have a good one. Ben Van Brandt, a listener from Belgium. Well, first of all, his nickname is The Diplomat. I thought it was The Ambassador. The ambassador? Am- ambassador. I like that better. Okay. So he's the ambassador. You're the one who thought of it, so. Yeah. Um, I can think of the names. <laughs> I just can't remember them. So, yeah. He's, he's, he's our ambassador to Europe and just the ambassador in general. He brought this up in an email as an answer to a question we had posed a few episodes ago. Yeah. Where I was talking about eating a Belgian waffle and I wasn't sure if that meant it was from Belgium. And in typical out-of-game fashion, we got sidetracked talking about <laughs> Belgium ales versus Belgian, Belgium. <laughs> So we appreciate him chiming in and helping us out. Yeah. So thanks, Ben. Ben, with great emails come great responsibility. So you you are now the ambassador. Anytime we make mistakes about Europe, you have to chime in and let us know by sending us an email. Which will probably be a lot. Yeah. So hope you're ready to send us some emails. So anyways, thanks, Ben. 
Dice Tower Awards. Chris, guess what game won Dice Tower Award game? Emphasis on the word game of the year for 2015. Well, I was going to say Pandemic Legacy, but that can't win. No. That's disqualified. That is the winner. Is it code names? Pandemic Legacy game of the year. Uh-huh. What is the puzzle of the year company going to do? <laughs> I don't know. I have to ask like Ravensburger. So game of the year. And uh, they're also, it's also voted now the number one game on BoardGameGeek. It's been that for a while. So, well, know, like, we, like we heard in the board game food truck, the sugar. Sugar will get you every time. <laughs> Pure cane sugar. Whole teaspoon. So speaking of Pandemic Legacy, Tim and I, I'm happy to say, have continued our campaign sans Chris and sans Dave. Yes. We figured they fell to the disease and <laughs> we found a replacement. So Yeah, they're still trudging up the mountain without us. Black Licorice and Dr. Pepper will continue <laughs> to try to save the world. <laughs> Uh, we did have our friend Nathan join us, so we're playing three players right now with a ghost player that we've just called Ghost. Just named them Ghost. Probably hasn't affected the game. We should get like the ghost character pawn out of Cult Express. There you go. I like it. Mm, he could play, go. but then it'd be broken because Ghost is. Oh broken. my gosh, hey, Ghost, ghost isn't broken. broken. He's gonna He's break totally the game. Broken. Yeah, he would. <laughs> Freaking Ghost. He gets to play that first disease face down. You don't know where it's at. I hate ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else to say about that, Chris. Number one game. I just I, Dice Tower Award. Well, you know what's going to happen. I don't know the puzzle. Who who awards the best puzzle of the year is going to have to pick like Scythe to to win that. I've never heard of that game. What what game is that? Scythe. Scythe? There's a C. You have no respect for the C. Huh. My first name begins with a C. We must respect it. So I drive a Scion. Is that should I be calling that a yes, Scion? And scissors is Skizzers. <laughs> There's a C. Respect the C. Respect the C. <laughs> Scythe. All right. So, anyways, not Skype either. Scythe. It's Skythe. You got to roll it at the end. The Skythe. Skythe. Because it has T H E at the end. Yeah. All right. So, this Saturday, I'm actually heading off to sunny Toronto. I don't know if it's uh, sunny there. I wouldn't say sunny. Cloudy? Yeah. I could uh, maybe go the cloudy. ambassador can help us with this, even though it's, it's Canada. It, it's, <laughs> it's a totally different continent. He probably still knows more about it than I do. So I'm heading off to Toronto for a one-week vacation. Going to be hitting up Snakes and Lattes, the best probably board game cafe in the world. Wait, I'm just going to say wait, in the world. Wait, wait, wait. Wow. This is a vacation? Yeah. Are you taking Esther? Yeah, Esther you're, and I. That's not the only thing we're doing, wife. but that's the relevant part and, to this podcast. Okay, so the whole point is to go and play games? No, we're going to Niagara Falls. Okay. This is boring, though. See, the listeners don't care about Are this. Are you bringing, like, King of Tokyo with you when you go to Niagara Falls? <laughs> I might. No, you should bring Niagara. <laughs> That's, oh, you're right. Oh, yeah. I have to borrow that. No, we're doing a lot of other things, but we will spend at least one day at Snakes and Lattes. So I don't know if any of our listeners are in Toronto, and you're not going to hear this in time, so never mind. But we will be in Toronto <laughs> in a week, which is a week ago to He's all of you listening. to Toronto. <laughs> Toronto was great. How was it? It was a good time. Yeah, the cafe yeah. was was good. Yeah, how did Esther handle the cafe? So shopping. She was okay. Yeah. yeah, you know, we we didn't stay the whole day, but Niagara Falls. We got good. a couple of games in. Yeah, Niagara Falls. She liked that a lot. Yeah. Took a lot what of was pictures. the weather like? It was uh, it was kind of cloudy, and it, there was a lot of water at at the Niagara Falls. There's like water everywhere. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. What a thought. Yeah, but it was a good time. It's a good time. Toronto, I, I highly recommend. Glad you liked it. Anyone go there. And our guild size. So I've got to talk about our guild size. Yeah. As you guys know, uh, we did a contest to win a $50 gift card to Cool Stuff, Inc. Our guild size went from 84 members to 207 as of today. Wow. it's impressive. All I have to say is wow. Yeah, that's pretty ridiculous. So I think right now we're... 
like 36th for guild size for podcasts out of like 180. So we've by far achieved our goal of being in, what was it, like the top half we were were trying to get in. So we're almost in like the top 30 now on our way up. So I'm pretty pretty happy about that. That is pretty cool. Yeah. And I think, you know, as a result of that kind of, we probably have a lot of new listeners listening right now. So yeah. welcome. 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 Happy to have you in the guild. Welcome to the table. Yeah, and for anybody new, send us emails of questions. We have great listeners. They're very helpful with answering questions that we post and also giving us things to talk about. So chime in. Yes, please do. That's outofgamepodcast at gmail.com. Magic number challenge. So as you guys know, I started the magic number challenge to challenge myself and others like me who have multiple games unplayed on their shelf. And we have a lot of people in the challenge, actually. And so you guys wouldn't know this, but on BoardGameGeek can create something called a micro badge. Micro badge is like a little tiny, teeny, weeny picture, but you you put it underneath your avatar on the site. And like if you hover over it, it says something. You can only have five of these underneath your avatar. Mm -hmm. So anyway, one of our one of the people doing the challenge created a magic number micro badge. So it's got a little wand hovering over a like number sign and you've hovered over it says magic number challenge participant nice so it's you know magic number is like a thing now on board game geek wow Good job so if you want to go out and get that micro badge and join the challenge it isn't too late uh just look for just search for magic number in the micro badges and what is your magic number speaking of my magic number is 23 whoa low 20s yeah that's impressive yeah that is pretty impressive I don't know. It's been hovering in the 20s, though, kind of all year. (laughs) So I am a little disgusted with myself, and I have vowed that I will not purchase any more games for the rest of the year. Good luck with that. Yeah, do you think that's going to happen? No. No. I'm trying really hard. I am going to get games because at BoardGameGeek, they give you free games. uh, So that's going to increase it. But I don't have any Kickstarters coming this year, and I'm really trying not to buy anything, even though I want to. Because my thought was... If I buy a game now, even though I really want to play it, what's the point? Because it's probably just going to sit on my shelf forever until I play these other 23 games. You can stare at it. (laughs) That's the point. Stare at it in frustration. That's that's what happens. You remember I don't like when I'm scanning my shelves from left to right, you know, row by row. (laughs) I don't like to have any negative feelings. And when I hit the magic number column, and they are all grouped (laughs) together in a column, by Mm. the way. You know, it gives me some bad vibes, some little frustrated vibes. Mm. Yeah, I think it's time. I don't know if I'm going to make it by the end of the year. So I'm curious, Chris, since uh, we made a, a bet at the beginning yes, of the year. Yes, we did. And if I lose, I have to buy you a game. Have you have you determined what game that's going to be yet? Ooh. I've not. Hmm. We still have time. I will give that some thought. There are some on my mind, though. Okay. Some good games out there. I've got mine. Mine has been chosen. If I somehow get to zero. Oh, what would that be? It's going to be Euphoria 2nd Edition. This is a game designed by Jamie Stegmeier, designer of Scythe. And I will talk more about this later, but yeah, I really want that game. And I'm, it's been very hard for me to control myself and not purchase it. Can you imagine the click foria with euphoria? (laughs) 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 That will be amazing. I look forward to that. That's all I had. It wasn't that bad. Are you sure? Yeah, that's it. I'm at the end of my. Are you sure? Mystic Veil. Mystic Veil. Have you, you've played that game? I have. When? (laughs) I played this last game night. Huh. Should we talk about Mystic Veil? Vale? Why don't we talk about Mystic Veil? Vale? Mystic Veil vale is an interesting game. Very okay. different mechanic. Let, let's hear about it. So the way this works, I'm not going to explain the whole game because we're just in a spawn point and it shouldn't even be lasting this long. <laughs> you got card sleeves. They're not standard size. They're a little long, almost like the shape of like an iPhone, the, the small one. So it's like long and skinny. 
card sleeves where you would stick in cards as you draw them slash buy them from the pool in the middle. And as you play, okay, so let me back up. It's a deck shuffling game, similar to Dominion. You're constantly shuffling your deck and drawing cards. You draw until you get three of these decay symbols that show up, you know, because the cards are coming up randomly. And they, there's different symbols, combinations of symbols on the cards. There's not just one. There's can be a mana symbol and a decay symbol. Sometimes there's a blank card. That blank card will be filled in later with uh, cards from the middle. So the way this works is you're basically farming. And when you get three decay symbols, you have to stop. And you can use any mana available to buy stuff from the pool. In the beginning of the game, there's a lot of mana symbols to buy. And as you're buying cards from the middle, you slide them in. It's hard to explain without a visual, but they're divided in thirds. So think of a long rectangular card in thirds. So the cards are clear, except for the text and art of the function of the card that you're drawing, which can be in the first part, second part, or third part of the clear card. And as you slide them into your sleeve, you can't overlay previous functions. So you have to overlay your cards in a way that all three of them are showing, or at least the ones that you've chosen are showing. Okay. So there's a little strategy to the way you build your deck as you go along. Anyway, the game is interesting. That dynamic is very different. It also had a dynamic of the game ending when all the victory tokens are gone. So you're taking victory tokens with some of the cards that you're playing or buying, and they slowly start disappearing. But what I found with this game, all of a sudden, there's a snowball effect. The game was over. I was watching those tokens disappear. The game was over much earlier than I expected. In fact, I kind of backed into a victory in this game. I won. I didn't think I was going to, but it was because the game ended before everybody was ready for it. Hmm. So that was interesting too, but I think that they're onto something. So there's a little bit of luck because, you know, you're drawing cards and you're relying on mana symbols, a little bit like magic with, you know, having, needing the right land at the right time. You know, Dave, who we, we like to talk about in a lot of our podcasts, he was playing and he got quote unquote mana screwed in the game we played because he just wasn't getting his mana. And there's things you can do to fix that, but you have to waste your t- a turn doing it. But there are some things I liked about it. The turns were quick. It had that combination that we're seeing in a lot of games now where that your turns are quick, but there's an element of being a little detached from what everybody else is doing. And I don't know if you guys are noticing this, but there's a, more and more games are like this, which I think I like. There's a sweet spot between being engaged in your own strategy and also watching what's going on with the rest of the game. Because you don't want to be completely unplugged from what other people are doing, you know, just because it, it takes something away from the game. Like Roll for the Galaxy is like that, where you're so absorbed with your own dice you have no idea what other people are doing and it's everybody's in their silos so this game is a little bit like that moderate dar rating moderate, moderate. oh so this is not like a point scale this is like a well and a zero to ten it's probably somewhere seven seven and a half so you know there's a little bit of luck in there you know because you're you're randomly getting mana screwed but the strategy is interesting i think you guys would both like this game mm, i don't know because you it's said it's got a good theme you too. said deck building that's true. You don't like deck building because yeah. it's very shuffly. Yeah. yeah. But but the theme is good and the art is good. So what's interesting about this game and why I was going to ask Chris about it and we just talked about it randomly is this is actually a hot new game that Chris has played and I haven't, which makes you like more cult of the new than me right now. That's very unusual. That's yeah. it's a strange That's occurrence. Never happened. And I and I have to take Chris's opinion. So now I always tell you if if I think you'll like a game. I think you would like this game, other than the shuffling. Yeah, I hate that the I hate you. shuffling. But I think you would like the 
card placement aspect. And there are different ways to get victory points. There's more than one way to win. Tim would like this game a lot, too, because it's very, very strategic. So this is the big question I have, though, because you didn't like Dominion, right? No. What was the reason you didn't like it? I didn't like Dominion because you get penalized if you're not thinking too far ahead with your strategy. It's more strategy than tactics. And this game is more tactics? This game is a little, has a little more tactics than, than Dominion. Oh, so I maybe think. I would like it better. I think you would like it better. Because I'm, I'm, the reason I don't like deck builders is because I'm, my brain can't function in that way. I learned that by doing, trying to build decks with magic, which you do in a more like long-term scale. But then in Dominion, you have to do that like really quickly. And I'm just not good at that. So I don't know if I would be good at... They actually call this a card crafting yeah, system. Yeah, it's almost if, like a little bit... It's almost like drafting a little see, bit. See, and I think I'm okay at drafting. Yeah, which isn't much different from worker placement because you're whether you're drafting or placing, you're, you're not able to take things other people have taken before you. Okay. And you need mana to do... You need to be able to spend your mana to get cards. I don't know. It's kind of... It's a fun game. I like Is it. Is there like a push your luck element in this game? Because you mentioned the three decay... Uh, symbols. Yes, there is a push your luck element. So when you get the 3DK symbols, what you can do is go for another card. If you flip another one after you've gotten 3DK, as long as you don't get another DK, you're still good. Okay. And every time you flip a card, good things are happening because you're getting mana symbols and different ways to buy cards. Okay. So flipping is always good. The more cards you have laid out, the better. But it's risky. So And that that was another way some people were getting... Yeah, I don't want to say screwed because you, you're, when you're pushing your luck, you're, you're asking for the risk there. But there's a fixed number of those decay cards. So you can tell what the odds are. You can check your deck and see how many cards are left versus oh. how many have been played because you're constantly discarding at the end of your turn. And can you get rid of the cards with the decay symbols or not? There are cards that let you get rid of okay. cards in play. So Interesting. I, I, yeah. I definitely want to try this. Uh, I know that Sarah and Nathan both really liked it. They played it at Gen Con. That's yeah. why they bought it. Yeah, I think they like it more than I did. Okay. I mean, I it was a good game. I probably, you know, I would choose other games over this, but it was it was definitely fun. All right. I think that's it for the spawn point. That was a long one. It was. Yes, it was. It's time to move on to a listener question. Brian Heath from the Chicago area. Woo-hoo, hey, woo-hoo. Hey, hey, Brian. Brian asks, how do you organize all your games? I have mine stacked on top of each other on a shelf. This keeps the items in the box in place, but makes taking them off the shelf difficult. Suggestions? I don't have the space to take an entire wall, nor do I have the games to use that much space. Dot, dot, dot. Yet. I, I think Ryan should answer this question. <laughs> I mean, my games, I've got games scattered over three different rooms. and I want to hear exactly about your, where all your so games are. I've got uh, Seven Wonders is, I think it's on the floor. <laughs> near my game cabinet because I just haven't put it away. All right. Sheriff of Nottingham is literally in the corner of my living room for no reason. Like, it's just <laughs> sitting there. Like, I, I think I didn't put it away because I figured I'm just going to pick it up again to bring the next game night. So I just w- didn't put it away. And Battlestar Galactica, Resistance, and One Night Ultimate Werewolf are in my basement, I think, on a random table. What about Agricola? Did you say that already? No, that one is actually put away in a cabinet. Don't you own Dominion, too? No, I don't. Oh, okay. Wow. You so have a lot of games. games are, and, and what would drive you even more nuts, inside the game boxes, I don't put the pieces away in an organized fashion. <laughs> I just kind of dump them in there, you know, you know, oh, unceremoniously. Nice. So, yeah, that would that would bother me. Yeah, I like Brian's question, but I don't think I'm qualified. If to I came it. to your house, I would probably start organizing your games. You would. Would you? Would that bother you? Oh, uh, no. Oh, it wouldn't bother okay. Me. 
Maybe I'll have to come over soon. I, I have the same problem Chris does. I've got uh, yeah, I know because every Puerto week Rico you bang her <laughs> up in my bedroom. Okay, as long and along with Imperial Salt, those are up there because well, I was reading the rules. Where in the night. bedroom are they? Just on um, the floor. Two of them are on a bookshelf. The other one's underneath my uh, Imperial Salt's underneath the nightstand because I was reading the rules again because I'm hoping to like kick that off with my brothers. Yeah, uh, but not yet. So. King of Tokyo and Hero Quest and all those are down in various shelves in the basement. Yeah, at least you you migrated some of them down yeah, to the basement. Yeah, some of them down the basement over Dark there. Dark Tower and... Uh, um, Dominion, I think, is in my office. <laughs> I didn't even know you had Dominion. Yeah, I actually have Dominion. I think it's still sealed in the uh, shrink wrap. Yeah, that's where it should be. Uh, <laughs> I actually like that game, but I, I know I should have not bought it because no one's going to ever play it with me, so I have to wait until Jeremy's Nathan likes like that game seven. a lot. Nathan. Uh, I'll wait till Jeremy's older. Yeah. See here. Then I got some over in another closet. Yeah, so I probably bought... Four or five rooms. Do you realize, I just, you know what just occurred to me? When Tim's children probably are like 10 or 11, they'll be able to beat me at board games. Why? Because he's training them. Oh, that's true. Well, he's going to train us too. Tim? Future episode, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. More on that later. Oh, yeah, to flick them ups in the family room because my daughter loves flick them up. Oh, my gosh. So. All right. Yeah, so I'm I'm all over the place. But all of mine (laughs) are stacked. So they're, none of them are tilted on their side. Okay. Like loose components. Okay. So all mine are laying flat, and I, I do put the components away in a decent manner. All right, I appreciate so you're that. A little more organized, but yeah, they're still they're still all over the house. And my my lids aren't even all the way on on my games. <laughs> all right, time to bring some sanity to this podcast, Brian. This is the answer to your question. Forget these clowns. <laughs> Here's what you got to do, Brian. You're having trouble with your games because you, you're having trouble getting them out because you got them horizontal on the shelf. Horizontal stacking of games is complete and utter nonsense. And here's why. As long as you have the inside of the game organized in such a way that pieces don't fall everywhere, like in bags or containers, you can put the game on its side. But then you have a problem sometimes that the lid may try to slide off because it's, especially if the game is heavy and there's a lot of stuff in there. So you got to go out and buy their their rubber bands made to put around file folders. You can buy these on Amazon. I, I get these in boxes of 100. Actually, I think it's even more than that. Of course you do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've had to go through a couple boxes. But you just put one of those suckers around the game, but you don't put it on the side that that you would be facing you. So if you set it up sideways, you don't want to be looking at a rubber band. So you put it around the other side. So when you put it in the shelf, you can't see the rubber band. So that keeps the lid on, got the games vertical, and you can slide them in and out at ease without the need to take other games out and Move them around. Not to mention when your games are stacked, you're going to find the game on the bottom is going to get a dent in it. Over time, you, the lid's going to get dented, Brian. Move your games vertical. Well, maybe because it's not getting played, though. That's why it's on the bottom. So who cares about the dent? Uh, that's true. But usually you put like the big heavy games on the bottom. So this is the problem. You put like a bigger game on the bottom, right? Because that makes sense for stacking. And then you have the smaller game stacked on top. So that game is kind of, it's like inside the edges of the bigger game. And so it causes a concave, con, conclave, a concave, concave. a concave yes. lid, which is bad news. People don't like to buy games with concave lids. We're anti-concave lids here at the Game Podcast. <laughs> now, for shelving, what you want to do, Brian, is you want to go to Ikea and buy what's called the Calyx. And here's why the Calyx is the best game shelf known to man. All these other shelves that people talk about, like the Billy... And all this other junk you can buy at Ikea, it's all garbage. Don't even look at it. You go straight to the section and you say, where are the Calyx shelves? And you get the Calyx. The Calyx, they come in like these nice little perfectly sized cubes. And your games slide in there. They're deep. So when you put the Calyx against the wall, the trim on your wall, it will cause it to be a little bit 
further out from the wall, but this is actually a good thing, Brian, because when you put your game in sideways, like a long game, it will actually slide all the way in. It won't stick out. So all of your games can be flush. So when you're organizing your games, make sure they're flush on the front. You want to pull them all forward so they're perfectly flush with the front of the shelf. You don't want them all pushed back as far as they go. And then you've got like different depths between the front of the shelf and the games because that would be ridiculous. I don't know who would do that. (laughs) You pull the games out to the front of the shelf so they're flush with the shelf. And if you happen to have a game that's a little too big, you know, you have to put it on top. You know, sometimes you just have to do, you got to do what you got to do, Brian. But when you have a long game, you know, like the Monopoly, those old games, you put those on the side. You don't put them in the middle sticking out in someone's face. You put it over on the side, it will stick out on the side and it won't bother anyone over there. You know, so I hope that answers your question, Brian. This is how you should store your games. Wow. Well, he came to the right place. <laughs> I had no notes on this. I just want to point out. I didn't even take notes on it because sure. this, is, this is all from the heart, Brian. I think you're just picturing your thing in your head and it's just it. Yeah. yeah. And Ryan has stared at his shelf long yeah. enough. Oh, yeah. oh I recliner. know my shelves. He knows what he's talking about. I know where about. all the games so are. He's, you could probably say column two, row three, game four. He'd probably tell you what that is. Column two, row three, game four. That would be for the birds. I'll I don't th- even know what this is. I'll, I'll, neither, I'll to double impressed. check that one tonight. I'm half impressed, half scared. <laughs> <laughs> So, Brian, if you have any further questions, you know, feel free to email outofgamepodcast at gmail.com. I'll be happy to provide you more details for yes. storing your games. Put attention, Ryan. Well. Because Chris and I will have zero input on this probably. <laughs> we'll tell you, just throw the stuff in the box and stack it on the shelf. You're cool. Yeah. Don't do that, Brian. Please. Please don't. You know what it's time for, Chris? Episode what is the time for, Ryan? It's time for a mini review. Mini review. Of Scythe. Scythe. The ashes from the First Great War still darken the snow in 1920s Europa. The capitalistic city-state known simply as the Factory, which fueled the war with heavily armored mechs, has closed its doors, drawing the attention of several nearby countries. With characters from five factions converging onto a small but highly desired swath of land, who will gain fame and fortune? by establishing their empire as the leader of Eastern Europa. So, at Gen Con 2016, which we're going to get to in a bit, we played Scythe a couple times, and I think we all liked it a lot. So we want to talk about it in today's episode. I'm going to give the best quick overview I can of how to play this game. How hot is this game right now? It's pretty hot. Actually... Note on that. So I listen to this podcast called Board Game Top Tens. And what the guy does is every week he gives you the top 10 games by page views on Board Game Geek. And Scythe was number one for multiple weeks in a row. And it shattered like all previous records. Like in one week, I think the highest it got was almost 80,000 page views. Wow. Which is really high for that site. It was then beat surprisingly by another game called Mansions of Madness second edition, which got like 90,000, but Scythe was leading multiple weeks in a row. And I think right now it's back to the top spot again. So it's pretty hot and it hasn't even been released. I only have it because I backed the Kickstarter. So I think the street date is actually later in September. What made you decide to kickstart this game? Because the game was very good. 
Yeah. And I'm assuming that wasn't luck. So the thing that made me kickstart this game, I was actually on the fence about it, but it was really the artwork. I heard the designer found the artwork first and was so inspired by it that he designed the game based on the artwork after, you know, working out with the artist that he would do a board game uh, for it. And they posted pictures of the artwork and just explained the theme like two years ago. And ever since then, I've been interested in this game. So I've been following it. It was last year. I don't know if you remember. This is my most anticipated game of this year. I was waiting for it to come out. And I was on the fence about backing. I, I even canceled my pledge at one point because I had a friend in my game group who had already backed it. And I knew I was going to be able to play his copy. But then I just like, you know me, I couldn't I couldn't help myself. And I eventually backed it. So and I'm pretty happy I did. Yeah, so... We got to, we got a chance to play this game at Gen Con. I think you played before Gen Con even. I did. So we have a lot to we have a lot to talk about here. And I've played it since Gen Con as well. So I've played it multiple times. Here's how Scythe works. Imagine a board with hexes all over it with beautiful artwork depicting a map of Eastern Europa in this uh, alternate history, I guess you could say, after World War One, so 1920s. And in this alternate history, there are mechs. There are people with bears that are tame. And the idea, the reason he named the game Scythe is because a, a scythe can be used for farming or it can be used as a weapon. And this game is kind of about both of those things. So it's a fitting name. So you got these, you know, people just trying to farm their lives, but all around them are like soldiers, you know, and these mechs, you know, walking around and keeping the peace, uh, you could say. So the board, it, when you look at it, it looks like you're going to play like this big war game. Uh, but it actually doesn't turn out to be like that. It's more of a resource management and economic game. So every person, every player gets a random character board and a random uh, player board. I should say a random faction board and a, and a random player board. So each fa- each faction has a special power. And then the player boards are also different. So each board has a different space for the different actions, which will make more sense when I explain it. So Imagine on the board, you have four kind of rectangles and you have a pawn that you can move to one of the rectangles and take the actions. And in each rectangle at the top is what's called a top row action and the bottom is a bottom row action. So the way this works is you move your pawn to the space and you can take the top row action or the bottom row action or both. And if you can take both, you just have to do the top row action first. And what's different about the different player boards is the top row and bottom row actions don't match up in the same place on the different player boards. So you'll have different combinations of actions based on whichever player board you got, which makes the game have a lot of variability. Uh, Like one of the actions you can do is move. You just simply place your guy on that space and move. And then there's a lot of rules for movement. I'm not going to all those, but basically you get to move two different characters, one space each. Or you can take money. The next action is trade. So you can take two resources from the bank. Or you can gain two popularity. Popularity is a track on the side of the board, which is important for in-game scoring. Because the higher you are on the popularity track, the higher multiplier you have for different categories to get points at the end of the game. The next one is bolster, which is how you increase your power, which is another track. Power is used for combat. You want your power to be high so that Uh, People aren't coming in and attacking you. You need to be able to defend yourself or go attack other people. Or when you take that action, you can take two combat cards. So when you do combat, you have this dial. The dial has uh, numbers on it that represent how much power you're going to spend. And then you can secretly add these combat cards to your combat to pump up your combat ability. And that's basically how the combat works. The next action is produce. So each space on the board has a different resource that it can produce. So 
when you take the produce action, those workers will produce whatever resource is on their space. This is also how you get other workers out. So if you have a guy in the space that has a worker on it, he'll actually produce another worker. Those are the top row actions. Now on the bottom row, there's one called upgrade. And what that does is it reveals something that you're going to get to make one of the top row actions better. And then you move it to the bottom. And what that does is it makes the cost of the actions on the bottom row cheaper. So you get two benefits from doing one thing, which is really nice. So you can just take a cube from the top, put it on the bottom, and it will make two things better on your board. Uh, next is deploy. This is how you get your mechs out. So mechs go out on the board. You can use mechs for combat. And also when you're moving around on the board, your mechs can pick up workers and move them. And it's like free movement for your workers. Um, so mechs are important to get. And, and mechs, when you bring them out, there's like special abilities that they'll reveal so when you move the mech onto the board, underneath the mech is a special ability that now your, your mech will get and your character will get. So deploy is how you get your mechs out. Build is how you get the buildings out. The buildings give you special abilities. And then the last one is enlist, which is an interesting mechanic in this game where you, you take these pawns, you get a one-time ability with them to get like some gold or some power cards, but then it reveals the space on your board. And then every time the player to your right or left uses that action, you also get to do it because you revealed that space. Those are basically all the actions. They're all on the player board right in front of you. The main thing to understand about this game is you're trying to get out objectives. Everyone has six stars that represent different objectives that you're trying to complete. And the objectives are things like get your popularity all the way to the top of the track. Uh, another one could be would be the power, getting your power all the way up to the to the top of the track getting all four of your mechs out, doing all of your upgrades, doing all of your enlistments, getting all of your workers out. Each of these things are objectives. Winning a battle is an objective. So almost everything you're doing is moving you towards one of these objectives. Once someone gets all six objectives completed, all six stars out, the game ends immediately. So you're kind of racing to get these out because these are also worth a lot of points at the end of the game. But there's more than six different kind of objectives. Right. There's like 12. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways to go, which is a, one of the good things about this game. Right. And then your character, you have a little character guy that walks around and does these encounters, which are kind of fun. You flip a card and you read um, some different things you can choose from and you get to take one of those things. You're trying to get your popularity up high because there's a multiplier at the end of the game for how high your popularity is. Well, you you don't need to. It's a very interesting scoring system because it's very helpful to have your popularity up high, but you can do other things. I don't want to tell them that you have to have your popularity high because there's so many ways to win, but it's good. It's definitely a good idea to have yeah. your popularity high. As long, I feel like for the popularity track, since we're talking about it, you kind of just, as long as you're kind of in the same range as everyone, then then you're good. If you're lower than everyone, you're out of the game, I think. I think you have to at least be... Unless you did something else really good. I don't know what you could do, though, because the bulk of the points are from that from that scoring system on the left, from the popularity track. Well, I remember once I had the opportunity to choose between popular sacrificing popularity in order to get another star. And I'd already gotten one star on that turn. And I could have gotten two, but it would have cost me popularity. I think it was because of a card or something. And I chose not to take the star because I wanted the popularity for the reasons that you're you're talking about. But stars, at the end of the game, stars are important because if you have a differential of maybe a gap of three between stars you've completed versus the guy who got his sixth star, that's a huge problem. So stars are sometimes worth popularity, just like land might be. But 
it's all relative. I mean, you'd have to see the the way these tracks are laid out and then decide your strategy at that time. And also, there's another one of those games where the ending of the game, the timing is important. So if I feel like one of you guys is getting ready to complete your sixth star, I'd better start like going all out and getting points because the game is about to end. Right. You know, that that is an important part of uh, how you win. And the stars are the highest worth the most points yes. in all the scoring categories at the end. So I think I heard 75% of the time, whoever gets out all six stars yeah. will, will usually win. So that's, it is kind of a race to get all your stars out, yeah. but you don't necessarily automatically win though, if you're that person. Right. Okay. So let's talk about things that we like about this game. Well, my first thing, just because of the long, long rule explanation, it's actually <laughs> simpler than that though. Cause once you get the rules, it's actually very simple. Yeah. You know, the rules, I mean, when we sat down the first time to play it, it did take us a long time to read through all the rules and figure out all the things. But once, once you understand it, it is really easy. We didn't have to refer to the There rules was nothing that we had to refer to after we started. Right. So once you're over that first gameplay, I, I don't yeah. see you going back to the rule book that much. It's actually great. The boards are great. They're laid out great. Once you understand the mechanics, it's easy to pick up and, yeah. and continue. We usually can't take Tim's word for that because it's, it's it always comes easy to him. <laughs> but, but he's right. I mean, we really didn't go to the rule book. And that w- that might be one of my favorite things about this game was even though, like you said, the, the rule explanation was kind of complicated sounding, but the game really isn't complicated. When when you see it laid out and it all kind of comes together, you just play and you're not fiddling with the rule book. Right. Yeah. And I think it's because I mentioned this a couple of times, but everything is right on the board, which is right in front of you. Everything you can do in the game is right in front of you on that board. There's not like weird things to remember I think the the hardest thing to remember, I guess, would maybe be the movement rules. And even that's not that hard. So once you get that down, I don't think we ever looked in the rules no, that I can I remember. So the other thing is that there's multiple ways to, to go with your strategy. Because in one game, we had one guy who was going for military. That was Dave. He was just, his military was really high. I was going for popularity, even though I wasn't doing well with it. That was what I was trying to do. And, you know, everybody kind of had their own strategy. There's not just one way to win. You can try to just produce lots of stuff because you're going to get points from that stuff and you can build stuff with it. So that's always good. There's the tactic strategy combo. That's It's really a, a good sweet spot of having a long-term goal, but also being able to change your tactics as you go along. That's one thing I liked about it. The screw factor is minimal. You know, sometimes somebody can unexpectedly come in your land. We had Dave, use him as an example again. Somebody, I can't remember who, came into his land just, I don't say randomly, it's like a bad word now, but like he, he didn't know that was going to happen. He lost a lot of resources and he was, you know, he was planning a couple turns ahead with getting the right resources in order to do some things that derailed his game and he had no shot. But I think that sort of thing is few and far between in this game where something like unexpected derails what you're doing. You pretty much are in control of your area of the map. You're in control of your own worker placement because your own worker placement is on your own mat. I think that the the amount of control, the DAR factor, is pretty high in this game. What you're deciding to do directly affects the game. Although, both my games, I did get the roadblock. Both games. In what way? Well, game one, James totally blocked my token in the upper part of the map. I remember that. You had to die to get out of there. I had there. to die to get out of there. He, yeah. he blocked me in. I could do nothing. But that was smart for him, though, because he basically yeah, forced it, you in a position. Yeah, where, but it's, it is the roadblock. Thing. Yeah. And then the second game, I got... Yeah, but you almost won the second over. game. No, nah, I wasn't even You close. made a strong comeback. I came in, like, third, didn't I? 
No, remember because you. Left. I ended the game. I ended the game. Yeah, you. You but were the first to get to six win. stars. I, I, in, I can't. But I think I came in third. <laughs> you gave us a scare. I remember. Yeah, but I mean, I, I was. I still. I still came in third. I think. Yeah. What caused that though? I don't remember. Mr. Ryan here. Ryan came in your land. Booted me out. I got booted two times in a row. I had all my stuff. I was going spreading out on the map, and I got booted back home two turns in a row. Yeah, maybe the DAR rating is lower than I could. I mean, I the fact that you know I'm out in like the center of the map, and I have to go all the way back to my home base. You know, that's like. But that was his decision. That's like six turns for he, me to get back there. He decided to come into my aggro range. No, no, I was there first, I believe. That's my range, though. The aggro range. Uh, well, not the first time. I don't remember. What do you mean by aggro range? Explain that. Like, in, if you've ever played an MMO game where you walk past monsters and you, you get within a certain range of them and then they come attack you, yeah. that's the aggro range. This isn't a game like that, though. Like, you don't have to attack him. Well, yeah, you do, because you, two of the objectives are for attacking. That's the only one that has multiple objectives for it. So you're going to you're gonna attack two people in the game. Oh, and by the most way, likely. that's one of my favorite things about this game, and possibly the most underrated thing, is the battle resolution. The mechanic for the battle resolution, the, you know, usually there's dice involved or, you know, some strange way to resolve a battle. The wheel that Ryan described combined with the cards, the optional cards that you can boost, and then you just reveal it. Yeah. That it's a it's a very simple mechanic that's fast and fair. Yep. I like it a lot too. I I've never seen that in a, in a game and it's really elegant. And one thing that makes it even cleaner which I forgot to mention is the amount of guys you have in the battle determines how many cards you're allowed to play. Yeah, that doesn't really come into play much, though. But if you have a two-to-one battle, you should have better odds, and you get to That's play only two if you cards. Have cards. Yeah, and usually the cards are like a two, which you could spend anyway. Well, it's two to f- two to five. five. So I never had a five. So if you, you mean if you're really wanting to win, but someone's going to play two cards, there's a potential they could be playing ten points of yeah. power just in cards. It's true. Um, so it you know, it forces you to spend more power to be safe. But yeah, I had that on my list too. I really like the combat system. I like yeah. how fast it is. It was fast and fair too. Yeah, I, I agree. There's a lot I liked about this game. I like the unique personalities on a civilization basis. The fact that everybody had a power, but also there was a random board that everybody gets where you're doing your placement. And as Ryan was talking about the upper area of the board and the lower area and how they play off of each other is different for everybody. But there's no one that's better than the other. It just makes the game different every time. Right. It's very clever the way that's set up. I like the turn speed. The turn (laughs) speed is really good. I mean, really, really good. Although I would recommend playing with four, not five. Actually, I played it again with five and it was just as fast. As the four player, so game. maybe it's who the players are. Yeah, if you have someone who's really AP prone, then it, it just drags the whole oh, game right. out. Yeah. Again, it's it's another one of those games where there's a balance between you're focused on your own what you're doing and everybody else. And there were times that's possibly one of the negatives about the game, but this game is pretty good with it. I think if it was a little worse, then I wouldn't have liked this element. And that is when you're just so focused on what you're doing, you have no idea what anybody's doing. I don't like when that happens because it you want to just immerse yourself in the game experience. And I don't like being cut off from what everybody's doing, you know, just from an interest standpoint. And sometimes that happens with this game. The other thing I liked, there's no king making. You could see somebody's running away with the game, possibly, and there's not much you can do about it. You know, there's no cutthroat, which is probably a negative, but the the no king making is nice. I mean, you really can't like decide a winner. Even when you thought you were, Losing, there really wasn't anything you could do to blow somebody up. Well, right. Now, yeah. You could have yeah. gone after Ryan 
because he went after you, but it wouldn't have been a king-making move. And it's just a little dent anyway. It really wouldn't have hurt him much. I forgot something, by the way. We made a deal. You can make deals in this game where you can pay gold to someone. And Chris and I, there's this territory. And I told Chris that let's just fight. I want to get my objective done, but I'll give you a gold. And I forgot to give you the gold. So you actually had one more point. And oh, I had really? one less point, yeah. But you won anyway. about that. So. <laughs> yeah, I, you actually silver-tongued me. I know. <laughs> I, I wanted to go to that spot, and all of a sudden you were there right before my turn started. <laughs> and it would have caused a battle if I went there. And, you know, battles could go either way. We're both going to spend points on it, and I didn't want to go through that, so we struck a deal. I think earlier in the game I convinced you not to attack me, too, and I was standing, like, right next to your home base yeah. for, like, three turns. Silver-tongued me, yeah. This is a fun game, though. I, I like this game. Yeah, it's a good game. It's a good game. I, you know, the multiple ways to win and get stars is definitely key because you're only getting six stars, but there's 14 different ways to get a star. I mean, there's a lot of ways to get the stars. Right. So you don't have to play the same any game. You yeah. can go for mechs one game, and then the next game you could not even build a single mech, and you'd be fine. So yeah. that, that's great. You know, there's something you left out. There's a confidential card we all get at the beginning. Yeah. That secret it's like objective. it's like a secret objective, and if you meet the objective, like something happens, you get a, you get a star out. Yeah, so the secret objective is a star, right. but the secret objectives are random; they're completely different. And I think you get two, but you can only complete one. And there was one that I had to do something that was a challenge, but I also had to not complete my mech oh, objective. Okay, and so my objective started out that I wanted to get my mechs out because my land lent itself to that. But I couldn't for the secret objective. So you have to, you're constantly weighing what to do. Right. Which I think I, I like that. I mean, it's, it makes you feel like you're sort of in like a, what they want you to feel like a commander position of this civilization. You know, this is interesting about this game because I, every game I've played, I've tried to complete my objective. I definitely in one game, it was like to the detriment of my long term strategy. Yeah. Yeah. And I almost, I kind of want to try just ignoring, ignoring the objective it, yeah. and just focusing on just the basic um, objectives. Right. Or if an objective just happens to be doable at some point, right? then you go for it. But don't That's That's the way I would shoot it because the objectives I had, both games were ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was like, have, have 14 power, you know, have 14 power, don't have three of this, have two guys around a lake and, you know, not have eaten in three hours. <laughs> I mean, it's just like... <laughs> It's just pointless for me to try to go to it. I found that they distracted me in the first game, and then the second game they distracted me again because I remember the one I had to have five guys surrounding a lake. Yeah, and that's not looking at the map. That's not an easy thing to do. And I was trying to figure out how to do it, and I probably wasted too much time thinking about that. I should just taken those two cards and throwing them away. Yeah, because the the turns are actually every turn is very valuable in this game because the game's on a timer. Someone gets out there, starts putting out stars, you know, you're limited on actions. And if you're spending multiple turns just trying to do one objective, I don't know, I found it really hosed me the very first game I played where I, I had such a slow start because I, my objective was like having one of every type of character or something in the same space. And so I just spent all this time trying to do that, which meant I wasn't spreading my workers out. I wasn't like building resources. Doesn't, doesn't that make you wonder if the creators of the game are jacking with us? Yeah. <laughs> like they're, they're doing it knowing that these cards are going to derail us. From oh, yeah. Succeeding. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just kind of d- carrot dangling. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's why, too, losing a battle when you're out on the map is so painful because it probably took you four turns to get out there because you can't take the move action every turn. You have to pick a different action every turn. So to move out four spaces, it's really eight turns. 
because yeah. I can only do a move every other turn. So anytime you lose a battle and get ejected back to home base, it's a very painful thing. It really thing. sets you back. Yeah. yeah. One of the mech abilities of the, the most recent game I played, I think Chris had this faction before. You could move from a people space to the middle. Does that sound yeah. familiar? Yeah, I had that. That was actually really nice yeah. because not only could you do the same action over and over, but there's a people space right. It's like one of the first hexes yeah. outside your base. So you could go boom, boom, and be right in the middle of the map which was really nice. And I just happened to get an objective that game with, about being in the middle of the map. So I immediately... I don't think it's from a get, people space. I think it's from a space that has a person on it. Well, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. a, like a village. It's a village. A space that, ha- that produces... Because there has to be a physical person on it, though. Okay. It's not that it produces people. There has to be a producer there. Yeah, I don't know. Future Ryan will have to check yeah, that. I'll have to check that. But, <laughs> but you're right. That's a great ability. Of course, it would be nice... If I had mechs out to do it, but I was like purposely not doing that. <laughs> yeah. Right. It, it wasn't just that I couldn't complete my mech. It said you have to have built no mechs. So it was like shutting down my mech production. Oh, yeah. So that card really, I think we're onto something with these yeah, cards. Yeah, I, I, I know next time. It makes I me think, want to play again. I think I'm going to take those cards and just throw them on the floor. <laughs> I'm not going to look at them. I'm not even going to look at them. So yeah. maybe like, you know, I'm way late in the game and just have to go, hey, all I got to do is this one thing to complete it. And then I'll try to do that one thing. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. So um, I mentioned the art and components. I have to say that I think probably art and components-wise, this is probably the best game I have in both categories wow. of all of my games. Wow. I mean, you can't argue the components. The I have components the co- are great. I have you, the co- you also have... I have the collector's the edition. collector's edition. Right. And but definitely you, worth the money. The, the It's great, great pieces. Yeah. So, I mean, they look like actual pieces of wood, actual metal bars. Yeah. The, the coins. Yeah. The coins are metal. Uh, and the retail version of the game doesn't come with that stuff, but you can buy it off of the, uh, Stonemaier games website. Uh, so you can still get it. He made sure in the Kickstarter that anything that Kickstarter backers got, they would get cheaper. Um, but you could still buy that stuff, um, after the Kickstarter was over. I'd say it's definitely worth the investment. Yeah. And, and I also have the extended board. That's, that's, that's like an add on for the collector's edition. So that's why our board is so gigantic. So it's like a sideboard. If you, if you flip the board over, we are using, there's a smaller version of the board to split, to play on like a smaller table. Uh, but then we're playing on the on the backside where you have to buy this extra board and they slide together to make it like a humongous board. So same map, just same map, just bigger, yeah, nice. or miniaturized on like the, on the normal I side. Like um, one thing I liked is every turn. I don't, I don't know if you guys saw this, but I always there were like three things I always wanted to do on every turn. Like I couldn't decide what to do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I would decide pretty quickly but you like you want to do so many things yeah. which means all the actions are, are valuable and i also liked how the game kind of ramped up over time uh near the end of the game i think all of us were close to ending the game and it kind of reminds me this whole star thing reminds me of alien frontiers my favorite game where someone's trying to get out all their colonies and when they do the game ends it's very similar yeah and it feels kind of the same where everyone's kind of close to doing that at the same time uh so yeah, those are all the things I like. Now, did you guys have any negatives for this game? Yeah, the only negatives I had the the random invasion thing where like Tim got screwed that one time. Dave, I think, got that. That that's a negative. It, uh, you know, sometimes you get the where somebody's got to make the perfect move, and it slows the game down because, as you said, there's a million things you want to do. So what you do is you just pick one. Your turn's going to come around pretty quick again, and yeah. then you do the other thing you wanted to do. But when somebody 
like stops the game because they're overanalyzing, that is annoying. The minimal cutthroat bothers me a little bit, just a little bit. I like when you can, the group can do something about somebody who's running away with the game. You really can't. And we never had that as an issue when we played because we're all similarly paced. But it's it's nice to have that in your back pocket, you know, where you can slow down, you can pull the leader back. You can't in this game. And then everyone's a little disconnected from each other. I felt a little disconnected from what you guys were doing. And I kind of wanted to experience your civilization a little bit and see what you were doing. But I just had no interest in it because I'm so singularly focused. I don't like that. But it could have been worse. I think there was a decent balance. If it were up to me, I would have liked to be more engaged with the world as a whole. So those were my negatives. And those are all small. I overall really like the game. So there is one minor thing you could do to slow someone down, but it's not that big. It's you could attack them, attack their spaces that have resources. Yeah, but you know how hard it is to move. Yeah. So just to to get a campaign where you're going towards somebody, it's too much of an investment. Yeah. <laughs> Which is. I think is part of the beauty of the game, too. Because that allows you to just kind of focus on what you're doing and just everybody leave me alone and just let yeah. me kind of do my thing. The game lends itself more to that. The invasion is kind of... It's hard. Those are one-offs. Especially if you if you lose that invasion, you're back to start. So it's like you basically that whole trek was just wasted time. Right. Obviously, if you win those invasions and stuff like that, then it's going to pay off. But it, it is a gamble because the loss will take you back. Right. Home. I'm wondering if that's a low dar factor problem or if that is you just have to do a better job making deals with your neighbors or building your military up to prevent that from happening. And they're just like, hey, if you're not going to build up your military, yeah. that can happen. I don't know if maybe that's what they're going for. It'd take a few more times to play to figure that out. So for me, I sat and I thought for a while about this game, and I honestly couldn't really come up with a lot of negatives. That's how much I like this. Uh, the only one I have is that none of the miniatures have a, actually have a scythe. I was a little bothered by that. They oh, don't have any scythes. A scythe? The game is called Scythe, and none of the miniatures have scythes. That bothered me. Maybe one of the expansion Do factions. they have stools where the kids learn? <laughs> <laughs> so what about the negatives that we pointed out? Do you agree with those or do you... I don't care about the thing about not being involved in other people and all that stuff. Really? But yeah, that doesn't... You like just doing your own yeah, thing. Yeah, I had that as a thing too, as the tunnel vision. But I, you know, I kind of yeah. was paying attention to other people and stuff, but I... A little bit. It's very but Remember Roll for the just, Galaxy? Yeah. That was oh, the worst total, thing about yeah. it. And this was a sometimes it I has the like it that. has the capability to do it, but I think the turns go so fast that you've got time to look around while other people are taking their turns and then yeah, focus true. back on what you're doing. So yeah. I mean the only thing I'm really paying attention to with the other players is how many stars they have out. And that's more just looking at the board. Like I'll look at the board and see how many stars they have, and then I'll see what's left on their player board, like what how they're gonna potentially complete their stars don't you think part of the enjoyment of the game is to see what other people are doing in the game like the people you're playing the game with well i mean i'm still seeing that but i'm not i don't think i'm as invested in it as you are it's interesting to me but i'm spending most of that time like you said i want to figure out what i'm going to do on my turn i don't agree with you i think you should care more about that (laughs) (laughs) like here's here's an example one of one of ryan's abilities in the game was he could look at these bonus cards that you uncover on the map there's always three things, and normally you choose one of those three things, and they're all good. Ryan's ability was he could choose two. And so to me, it was interesting to see his guys marching. He was motivated to march yeah, so that he could get these because that yeah. was part of his special power. And I enjoyed watching to see what he was going to do. 
even though it didn't affect me or it just was part of the game mechanic that was fun. And I think when we're disengaged from each other and you're not appreciating what everybody's doing, it takes a little bit away. I think you should care more. I'll, I'll sure. work on caring more about yes. that. <laughs> By far, the biggest negative of this game, for sure, is I'm 0-2. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's huge. That's the biggest. I'm 0-4. Just that so, way. Wow. <laughs> but then, I, you know, my, my last negative that no one actually said is the fixed board. There is no variability on the board layout. Black will always be down in lower left. I think Blue that's will always on be purpose, center. So I don't know if that would... I guess randomizing who you're going to get is going to at least add that variability. But, you know, if you're always going to take the same faction, I think that could get very boring after a while. It seemed to me like it was designed. So, like, for example, the people on my left and right, I noticed it wasn't easy for me to river walk into their territories. You can't. It's been purposely done so that you can't river walk those. Yeah. The only variability on the board setup was that end of game scoring card, which I didn't even explain. Yeah. You get a random card out. There's an extra level of scoring based on certain things you do on the board itself. That's that's the only randomized yeah. part of the whole setup. Everything well, else plus is your the same. random placement boards. Yeah, you get random player boards and faction mats. Yeah, that's true. But you're we, right yeah. about that. Where a lot of games, the boards will change right now, and this one doesn't. But I I do think it's on purpose. It's on purpose for sure. I'm just I just don't you know. Obviously, we haven't played enough to see, but you know, I think there's maybe a potential of a fixed board issue. But we'll see. Yeah, it, it, I guess it depends on the combination of player board and faction mat. If there's yes. enough variability there, that it doesn't matter. Right. What other negatives board. did you have? That, that's really it. It's fixed board, tunnel vision, and uh, you know, I, I haven't won. <laughs> this game has way it's less gra- tunnel vision than Roll for the Galaxy, though. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's a level it's, of it, but it's not. It's not. It's in the direction. Great. It's yeah. not as bad, but it can, well, overall, this game's awesome. Yeah, this game's awesome. I'd play this again, even if I lost four more times. So yeah, I mean, this is. One of the best games I've ever played. It's probably going to make my top 10 games I foresee because... Me too. I think it'll make mine. Yeah. Like, I like to play a game once once or twice and move on. I've played this game four times and I and I want to play it again. Like, I would be willing to play this over, like, a magic number game next game night if you guys wanted to play. Wow. This last Saturday I had a game day and I and it was my we suggestion play to play. We didn't play last game night at Tim's. We didn't play Scythe. Yeah, because I I, Nathan and I had been talking about playing the Gallerist, so we played that instead. But I brought it just in case we had time after the Gallerist. Yeah. <laughs> it was there. It was there. Uh, and I'll be bringing it again, even though it weighs like 50 pounds. It did live up to the hype. This game had a ton of hype. I mean, ridiculous hype. I honestly, this is one of the first times where I feel like it really lived up to the hype after I played it. But yeah, if you're on the fence about getting this game, it's definitely worth the money. I recommend. Yeah. Do yeah. it. Three thumbs up. Just do it. <laughs> at Gen Con, we played Scythe, but we did some other things at Gen Con. That's a good segue. Oh my God, we did. Why don't we talk about it in our table talk? You're listening to Out of Game, the definitive Dice Tower Network source for all things werewolf. For other, less lycanthropic podcasts, go to Dicetowernetwork.com. As tradition holds, we're going to discuss Gen Con. This is the third time we've done this, Chris. Second time for Tim. Yeah. Is that right? Tim, what, do you know that this is like the Tim's anniversary? Because the first episode he did with us went before he was official was the Gen Con oh, 2015 oh, wow. episode. It's good to know. Wow. So what we're going to discuss no cake. as before <laughs> is the best and worst. And what we mean by that is we're going to each give you our top three and our bottom three about Gen Con 2016. Best and worst. What are we starting with? Worst or best? Of course, we're going to start with the worst. Start with the worst. worst. And we're going to go in order from 
the least worst to the most worst. Okay. Least worst to most worst. Okay. Can so, I start with a couple honorable mentions oh. that didn't make my cut, but right. I'll just quickly talk about them. Sure. So one of the things, so I should point out, this is this is a Ryan thing. So Ryan not playing Witch Hunt and Werewolf anymore is, here's here's my thing with that. You, you had that listed, sorry. That's my top worst thing. Really? Ryan going to bed at 10 o'clock yeah. and no, not being involved just, into that stuff. Let's skip your honorable so we mention. Skip your honorable you, just, you just took my top one. <laughs> but I, I want to I explain to the to the audience the reason that Ryan did this. So <laughs> except for the getting to bed early for sleep issues aside, that aside. So Ryan has a thing where he he's OCD, as we've dealt with on many occasions. <laughs> but he's also very immersive. Ryan will immerse himself in something so much that it becomes infectious to want to do it. Like with RPGs where you became so immersive in it that you had to step away from it. And then like magic for a while. And then even Warlight. Like you, you got, you got me like really into it. But what Ryan does is he gets really into it and then just like takes off. And then I'm <laughs> left there by myself with the game. That happened with um, role playing and it definitely happened with the Warlight. And now I was sitting there at the Witch Hunt game. Where's Ryan? You know, there's no Ryan. And that's why... This hobby, the board gaming hobby, and the podcasting, is it's fascinating for me to watch to see when the spark is going to die. And Tim and I are here by ourselves. <laughs> and Ryan's off doing something new. Yeah, but I'll pull you. Whatever the new thing is, I'll, I'll bring you guys with me. No, that's true. So, so anyway, I just had to point that out. You just have to make sure that there's a game that we can use microphones and a recording board. Yeah, well. I have to mention something about Warlight, though. Because if you think about it, do you realize that I don't remember who got into Warlight first. Was it? I think it was James, and then he brought you in. That's right. James brought brought us in, but we slowly gathered like a, a huge group yeah. of people. And if you realize at Gen Con this year, everyone at Gen Con was from Warlight, except for Nathan's girlfriend. Every single person. Even Dennis, like Dennis, who we didn't even see that much, was Pine Bars from Warlight. Yeah, you're right. So the whole Gen Con crew, That's all like, That's very interesting. 10 or 11 of us that. were all Warlight from is a turn-based game, yeah. online game. Based so, off of the best, one of the best games ever. Risk, risk. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so that was one honorable mention. The other one, just a quick, one, real quick honorable mention, was oh, Food yeah. Chain Magnet. It was kind of a letdown. Did that steal another one? No, I didn't steal one. Okay. okay. You're good. Though. Food Chain Magnet was a little bit of a letdown. Huh. Because that I've never played a game twice where I had two completely different experiences playing it. Don't you think the Dave factor had something to do yes. with that? Yeah. Well, Agreed. Because yeah, yeah. Dave got frustrated and left the game. Right. But, okay, so maybe that did have something to do with it. But That had a lot to do with it. It but, totally changed the dynamic of the game. But did you think that the game was fun outside of that? Was I mean, it's hard because you're trying to learn everything. The problem is that that sidebar of cards is ginormous. So <laughs> trying to just track what you should be doing and trying to get the first firsts and stuff like that. Well, the, there's a lot of frustrating things about that game. But the first time we played this game, I had a completely different feel. I, I really liked it. And then this, the second time, I, I agree. I felt like that it was a little overwhelming with the cards. The Dave factor was there. And then it just seemed like there was something not gelling. Maybe it was that people weren't having fun. Well, I, I was, was really bummed when Dave left, and think, I'm sure I, that I think that tanked everything. Yeah, I didn't really care that much. I, I didn't like that he wasn't having fun, but when he left, I don't think it affected. It affected the whole game. Yeah, maybe it, it did. It, it totally it, hosed it, the yeah, whole thing. Okay, it, it did. I think we need to try that game again because that game for me, if I didn't play Scythe, is my favorite game I've played this year. Wow, Food Chain Magnet. Wow. So it, it's like Scythe blows it away, but it's like. 
a distant second and everything else is like distant third, fourth. So I really like food chain. Maker. All right. Well, anyway, sorry. Right. I, I derailed us. <laughs> top, uh, top three worst moments. All right. Uh, my, my number three was true dungeon. No, no, actually I wow. didn't put that on there. Yeah. Number three, True Dungeon. Yeah, the, the True Dungeon for me doesn't know. I mean, they're tapping into something fun. You're in this immersive dungeon experience, you know, like when you're a kid playing D&D, you know, it's very dark and mysterious and they give you the character. But it's frustratingly, like the fun is like out of reach. It's like you can see it there, but you can't get it. There's like too much chaos. We're going from room to room solving puzzles. And, you know, everybody's talking over each other. There's no coordination. It was a little bit chaotic. I actually love the puzzle solving other than the shouting, you know, people shouting over each other. Um, you know, it was interesting to give, be given those challenges. And the other thing that's missing, there's no element of an individual reward in this game. You know, like, for example, Dave wanted to, he was a thief and he wanted to be able to, like, maybe steal something from a treasure chest. Yeah. And maybe get rewarded if he did it successfully because that's what his character was. You know, I was a monk. Maybe if I was able to do a flurry of blows or something. I don't know. If you have an individual success, that adds to enjoyment of the game and it motivates you to try harder. There's no individual element, though. And there's an opportunity with their mechanic because they have those coins. They could randomly give you coins if they had somebody spying on these rooms, sort of observing to see maybe who's doing well in the puzzle. You know, who's getting the fact that it's an anagram that you're trying to figure out or who's rotating properly or things like that. And then maybe reward those people. Well, there's an NPC yeah. standing right there that could do that. I know. Yeah. And th- so the opportunity is there. Yeah. They just don't do it. Well, I had to correct one thing. Actually, Dave's character was the only one who could get individual rewards. So when he opens those special boxes, he has a choice of giving a clue that will help the group or taking like a token. Right. And that, that, that's fun. But I think everybody should have the opportunity to have their success on in, in a puzzle solving standpoint factor into an individual reward because there are people going down the wrong path yeah. with puzzle solving. Yeah. And if I'm going down the right path and it would be nice for somebody like, like a dungeon master in the game would notice, Hey, this guy's doing something right. I'm going to give him some extra experience points. You know, that sort of thing. This is that same, this is that same thing that you talk about with board games. You want to be rewarded when you're game. right. Oh, yeah, yeah. When you're doing right. something right and someone right. else is It's like the up, up and down voting on uh, Mysterium. I yeah. love that yeah. because you're still working together, but at the same time you can, you have the chance to stand out. Yep. I think, too, this kind of goes back to your food chain magnet, too, is because the first time we did this, there was only the three of us and a bunch of people we didn't know who had played before, so they kind of knew what was going on, whereas this time it was just our group and pretty much most everybody had never played or played once, so we were we were clueless. We were walking around bumbling. You know, there wasn't somebody that was guiding us. We didn't have healing which, you know, we had another guy that was constantly healing us to get us through and stuff like that. We had none of that. So we didn't have a leader either. So yeah. one problem with our group is we're like, it's, it's almost like we're three individual groups like mashed together. Right. Yeah. They should have fostered more of a leadership in our group. Like they should have said, look, pick a leader. The leader won't fight. The leader will coordinate. Right. And like you would in any team building event that you ever right. go to. Yeah. And yeah. then the, that leader can coordinate with the staff. It's probably our inexperience with not having done it and not being, you know, insane yeah. dungeoners. And the other thing was how to get to that's uh, that's actually on my list. Lucas Oil Field. The the total lack of signage of getting there. <laughs> you know, we we actually went from the hotel. We weren't at the conference center to go through the tunnel that they had there, and we walked around the whole stadium. There was not a single sign, basically saying. You're in the wrong spot. You need to go back to one of these other There were signs in the convention tunnels. center, though. We weren't there. We were in the hotel. Okay. Yeah. So one sign. 
out the side, the main door saying, hey, you need to go back here to get in would have been nice. We walked around for 15 minutes. So I, I need to come clean on something here. So I was uh, <laughs> at Gen Con. I've been having some anxiety issues, you know, in the, just recently. And so at Gen Con, James was encouraging me to just let go. He's like, don't, don't worry about everyone else. Just let them, they'll figure it out. And so like a half hour before True Dungeon, I was ready to, to like send you guys a message like, don't forget about True Dungeon. This is how you get there. And then, and James was like, you know, I, <laughs> I kind of looked at James and I'm like, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to let them That's figure funny. it out. Well, we knew about it. We just didn't we realize that the there was time. no, we just did not. We were, that. we were 15 minutes early. Yeah. The problem is we spent 15 minutes running around the outside of right. Lucas Oil Stand. But I knew exactly away. where to go because yeah. I knew that there is like an underground tunnel from the, not an underground tunnel, but a tunnel from the convention center. Yeah. It's like a secret tunnel. <laughs> yeah, right. It is kind yeah. of. Yeah. So that was my number three. Tim? Well, that was my number two, and you already know my number one, so should I <laughs> go ahead and do my number three? Yeah, let's do it. All right, I'll just wrap it up right now. <laughs> so my number three was uh, TGI Fridays. Ah, that I was, just, by the way, that was Dave's That's Dave's, one. too. You know, no food specials for Gen Con. Food's just was okay. Service was okay. I don't ever want to go there again. I'm to the point, I'm with Dave. If, if, if the group decides to go to TGI Fridays, me and Dave are going to go to a pub. <laughs> the only upside of TJ Fridays is there was no wait. It's the location, too. You, there's a reason there is no wait. We've we, never we, had a bad experience there yeah, until no, this year. We, we stopped going because we haven't gone there in like three years because the last time we went in there and they had no special. You know where we didn't go was Champs. We used to go to Champs. Every... We did go to Champs, actually. And then we did. Yeah, we did. You weren't there. Oh. Where were you? I don't know. We did go to Champs. Yeah, we went with... Um... Oh, that was the day he was doing his 5 o'clock thing before on Friday. Oh. That was Friday dinner. That was... Selling games. Yes, he was selling games. So I so didn't that, get a that's chance. it. I, I'm laying the gauntlet. No TGI Fridays. I'm okay with that. I'm fine with that. Yeah. But there's some pretty good places we've found. And there's others that we've not even gone to. So Ryan, what's your number three? So my number three was what I'm calling mismatched schedules. So we had a group of eleven people there. And I feel like we hardly ever were together as a group. Yeah. It was like we ended up even having names for the different individual groups. Because we were never together. So we had, what, Team A, Team B, and what were the brothers? What were we calling them? I, I don't know. I didn't even know about the names. Yeah, like in the group chat, they, they started naming team, the teams. I saw teams. Team A, Team B. I think they're calling the Peterson brothers. Smothers brothers. I can't remember what they were calling. It was James and Chip. So we just, I was expecting with this group that like every night would be like game night at Tim's. We'd have everyone together and we'd be like side by side playing different games together. Yeah. And that just didn't happen. For whatever reason, it was just because of everyone's different priorities. Like the three of us and Dave, we don't really care that much about the dealer hall or demoing games. We're kind of just there to play games together. Right. So that's what we're doing during the day. And everyone else is off doing demos. And then at the end of the day, like they're tired and then Sarah and Ahmad, you know, they had their kids around. So they had to leave and like half the group had to go with them when they left. I don't know. It just, our schedules were just off. Yeah. And I didn't, when we have a group like that together, I wanted us to have more time to actually together as a large group. And that just didn't happen. So mismatch schedules, my number three. You know, I actually, I didn't have that on my list and I agree with you that I didn't like that yeah. either. But I think that was better this year than in the past. I think we had worse problems with this in the past. And we had one moment where we were in that third floor ballroom playing code names, and that's when we got the dominoes. Yeah. And, uh, that was fun. We, yeah. had a, we had a lot of the group there. And I wish we had more moments like that. Yeah, so that's that's where I think uh, it's a good call. So my number two? Yep. Mission to Mars. Mission Red One Planet. One of the worst games I've ever played. <laughs> also known as Mission Red Planet. Oh, because it's called Mission to Mars. It doesn't deserve to be called. 
<laughs> so the interesting thing about this game, I'm not going to get too much into it because it's just we're talking about our list. But Ryan predicted that I wasn't going to like it. He knew that I wasn't going to like it and didn't tell me how bad the game was before we started. It's almost like giving your kid a food that you that you know he's not going to like and just like for some twisted sense of entertainment that you, you put him through that. Like he knew the whole time I'm sitting there trying to enjoy it, wondering why I'm not. And then finally I figure out it's the whole robo rally factor. And then Ryan's like, yeah, I knew you weren't going to like this game. <laughs> but I don't think it's a bad game though. I like it's that like, game. It's stupid. It's like the Chinese fire drill. You're like playing cards and you're launching things and somebody else loads it up first and you don't know. It's like timing randomness. I, it's bad. Low DAR factor. <laughs> Okay, Tim, that's my number two. What's your number two, Tim? Tim's uh, list no, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I, I could make something up. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's fly. right. Well, I want to. Uh, I want to hear more about your number one later. Oh, it's, okay. Because okay. it's about me. Uh, it my number two is what I'm calling me freaking out over nothing. Mm-hmm. So we had a. We had, I think it was the first night. This we was there. a nitwit thing, wasn't it? Yes. So we were playing this game nitwit, and I don't know. I just I perceived the situation I was in way wrong. And I thought, so I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I have, I always feel responsible for everyone having fun at the table, especially when I'm the one supplying the game and teaching it. So we were playing this game Nitwit, which we'll probably talk about in a future episode. We're going to talk about it in about a minute and a half. Okay. And I was like Chris and, uh, and Tim, I think, actually. James was involved. Well, so specifically, though, I got the impression that you guys were really annoyed about the game. And it made me like really frustrated. And then I like freaked out. And I got really mad. I tried to skip my turn and I like blurted, yelled something out really loud. It was really embarrassing. And then it was I, almost a junior Battlestar Galactica. It was, it was. It was close. Except it was just me. It wasn't directed at me this right. time. Right. <laughs> it was just global. It was just, I just like blew up for no reason. I don't know if you remember, I kind of did this last year too at Gen Con. I was freaking out about uh, this was witch about hunt. witch hunt. Yeah, this is the witch hunt. And when I were right, and yeah. it was like I don't know. It's like something about these late night games at at Gen Con. For some reason, it's like all the stress culminates, and I just turn into like Psycho Ryan for Psycho Ryan for yeah. <laughs> for a yeah. few minutes. So that was my number two. Freaking so, out over so, nothing. What really happened was because you can challenge. So people were making comments about, oh, sure you let this go through. Oh, sure you let that go through. And it was all poking people making fun of their decision to let something go through and not something else go through. But it was all in good jest. Right, and Nobody was really seriously annoyed part. by anything. And Ryan thought everybody was like getting annoyed with each other. Right. So it made him annoyed. So Yeah, he does put a lot of pressure on himself from an entertainer standpoint that everybody's having fun. So there is a little sliver. So let's just segue into my number one worst moment of Gen Con, right. which is directly related to this. Wow. The opinion-based resolution in the game Nitwit, this isn't directly related to Ryan blowing up, but... It's indirectly related because there's a lot of arguing going on. And granted, we weren't actually mad at each other, but there was heavy debate, we'll say. And the heavy debate sort of led to Ryan's outburst. And I think if you go to the root cause and do a little root cause analysis, it's there's a mechanic in the game which is flawed. Now, as game podcasters, we've uh, often talked and joked about like making games, you know, designing games and what we come up with. There's a game I've been sort of working on in my head. It got completely derailed because of that moment, because I had a mechanic in my idea, which was very much like the mechanic that blew Ryan up, <laughs> which was sort of everybody going around the table and vote upvoting and downvoting people's creativity. Right. So it's a very abstract answer in this game. Nitwit, you're supposed to come up with creative answers. And when you're re- resolving them and announcing them, you know, there's a lot of gray area. 
And so you do it with thumbs up or thumbs down. And there's a lot of opinions that are very different from each other. Right. And sometimes people were just wrong. And I'm not saying that I was right, but there's, there's somebody wrong and somebody right oftentimes. And that's not how the game resolves. And heated opinions start happening. Nobody was actually mad at each other. Ryan popped off anyway. <laughs> so, you know, like one quick example, the Dalai Lama was one of Dave's answers. <laughs> and he was, he was trying to go for the words historic, sharp, and young. And he used Dalai Lama. And obviously that's a down vote because you don't think of young with the Dalai Lama. He'll even admit that he shouldn't have gotten that now. So in this, in this particular instance, people upvoted him. And I got really annoyed because he shouldn't have gotten credit for it. And the worst thing about it was, and we'll, we'll get to this in the positives of Gen Con, but there's a good game mechanic in this game that allows you to be rewarded for speed because in this game, Nitwit, it's speed versus creativity. Doing like a little mini review here. Yeah, you know, you know what? I'm just going to announce this was my number one favorite moment of Gen Con. And it was also my number one worst moment of Gen Con. <laughs> so my favorite part is the mechanic in this game, which it's sort of like, you know, the teach a man to fish, give a man to fish saying timers, those little sand timers yeah. or stopwatches are giving a man a fish. You're forcing the turn to end based on falling sand. This game came up with a way to motivate you to be done quick. And that is the first one done gets rewarded with a button. Second one done gets another, like you get secondary prize, third, third prize for speed. But the main focus of the game is creativity because you're supposed to come up with creative answers. Yeah. So the more you think, the more creative you can get, but you don't want to take too long. 99% of the games out there would have put a timer in there for that. This game didn't. And I love what they did. It's, it was my favorite thing that I saw at Gen Con was this mechanic of the buttons because you get rewarded by how, how fast you put your pencil down by getting a button. It makes you go fast, but you still, you can't be cheesy. You have to put creativity in your answers. If you skimp on the answers for a button, you need to pay for it later. That's now I'm going back to the worst moments. That's what we weren't doing because there were some answers that were lame in order to get buttons and we weren't penalizing them. Yeah. And that was the, the reason is because group, the group voting was wrong. And that that's just a flaw with the game. That was my number one worst moment. So you're on to my number one bad, yeah. which was you going to bed at 10 o'clock. Yeah. It's the whole werewolf witch hunt. You know, this is like, this was your, your thing. I know. You, you pulled me and Chris into it. We've been doing it. And then, you know, we're getting ready to sit down and play. And we're like looking around going, Chris, Dave, me, where's Ryan? Yeah. And it was just, it was very weird you not being there. Yeah. And then, you know, you know, I understand you were trying to get sleep, so you weren't getting sleep deprived and being able to fall asleep. But then, you know, we get back to the hotel room and then you're like laying there awake because yeah. you couldn't fall asleep. Yeah. And we're going, you could have just played with us and then maybe you'd have been more tired and be able to fall asleep. That definitely happened the first night. I was, that whole night I couldn't sleep. Yeah. After that though, every other night I fell asleep when you guys were gone. But yeah, that was a bummer for sure. I didn't actually have it on my list because I think I, I needed, it was necessary yeah. uh, for my sanity while we were there. And it was hard to give that up. At the same time, I have been getting kind of burned out on it. And of I, course, I honestly, it was time to leave. Yeah. I honestly don't think I miss playing the game, but I did, I did miss having that extra time yeah. uh, where we were playing games together, which is one of the things that I was, you know, looking forward to doing at Gen Con. All right, what's your number one? Okay. I didn't talk much about this when Chris was talking, but my number one by a mile was True Dungeon. And I have a lot of reasons why. Okay. First of all, nowhere. When you sign up, register, in the program, anywhere, did they tell you, by the way, you have to show up a half hour early to the event so that we can prep you before your actual start time. 
So we show up on time and the guy's like, you guys just got here and we got to go. We, we only have like five minutes. You got to go get prepared and you have to go in this room and they, you know, there's like a guy in there and they hand you these bags of tokens. You have no idea what the tokens are for because if you've never played it and the guy is not really explaining it, he's like, you know, pick your characters. So I'm just like randomly handing out characters. And then, you know, these guys are lost. They, they finally show up and it was just like a, a mess. And they're, they're like rushing us through just the whole setup. And then I hear some guys say, yeah, we got some newbies here in this room, you know, starting at nine 50 or whatever. I mean, nowhere did they say you should show up early. Yeah, your start time should have been the 30 minutes early. Right. If you want to start minutes early, why can't we just set that as a start time? It makes yeah. no sense at all. So that was number one. And I think James and I were talking about this afterwards. Just the whole thing was so rushed. Yeah. They, they rushed us through the setup. And then we get there in room one. Actually, the best part of True Dungeon was before we started – where the guy they had like there was like one guy who was kind of funny and he was teaching us all the rules at the beginning. Right. That was the best part of the whole thing. Because after we after we got passed off from him to like Psycho Drowchick, and then Psycho Drowchick took us through the rooms, who Psycho Drowchick didn't want to interact with us at all, it didn't seem like. Seemed to pretty much not like her job and wasn't really fun to have in the room with us. Cause like so so anyways, they bring us in the room and they're like, All right, uh, start your puzzle. We're like, okay. So we were like, we have 10 minutes and then up, oh, up, oh, time's up, time to go. And like, there are like 30 seconds left. And I'm like, guys, I think we should do this. And like, no, oh, no, that's not going to work. It's time to go to the next room, guys. And they just like funnel us to the next room. So the whole thing was like that. And then like, <laughs> we go into the combat room. No one told us that we're supposed to have our tokens out, right? That you need to use for like your weapon. No one explained it to us really. Like, oh, you slide your weapon and you need to have your ammo out to hand to the guy. Yeah, that would have been nice to know. So we got people digging through their pockets. Meanwhile, time is ticking down on our 10 minutes that we have in the room. That, you know, $10 we spent or $15 for that 10 minutes in that one room because we spent $60 to go through four rooms in True Dungeon. So that was $15 for that 10 minutes of pleasurable experience we had. You know, I mentioned the NPCs, like there's one part where it was like almost at the final room where the NPC drow psycho chick, she like raised up in the air. And I think it was actually Chris's idea to go like try to convince her to come down. Yeah. Because we were supposed to be attacking her with ranged weapons, right? That was the whole of course, point of it. Nobody had any, right? Right. No one has any ranged weapons because, you know, no one explained to us that you might need ranged weapons in those tokens that we gave you that we didn't explain. So, so anyways, she's up in the air. And so we're like over there trying to convince her to come down, which I thought was fun. And she wouldn't even like interact with us. It was just annoying. Like yeah. she's an NPC in there to do like a live action role play and she won't even role play. I mean, it would have been fun. If she just was like, all right, these guys, there's no chance they're going to beat me. It would actually be fun to come down because they convinced me to. Or just interact with us and say, give me a reason to come down. Why do you want me to come down? Right. Like, And just role play it a little bit. Yeah. Instead of just looking at us and scowling, which right. is the only thing she did. I have two more things. So Dave paid $56 to die in the second room because no one told him that healing is super important. And if you die, you actually can't participate anymore. We call you a ghost. You're not allowed to do anything, but you can walk around and act like a ghost. Ooh, that was that was a fun uh, well, he expenditure. Could he could participate in the puzzles. I felt really bad for Dave. Yeah, I did too. Because he had the cool, I think he had the coolest job. He had like an individual job to like open these puzzle boxes and he couldn't even do it. So stupid. Okay. And then lastly, I, I guess I pretty much said this already, but it's just not newbie friendly. So yeah. if you're new players like us, it, they just, there's nothing, there's no room for you to be a noob in this game. No. You have to know what's going on. 
I pretty much despised the whole thing. So, so <laughs> when we were leaving, this was the best part. We were walking out of true dungeon down that tunnel. Right. And there were like those 19, there's 1980s arcade games lined up on the wall. And I don't remember. I think Dave was standing next to me. I, I can't remember who it was, but there were four people playing like this 1980s game where you're like Gauntlet. shooting guns. Gauntlet. Maybe it was gauntlet. And they were like having a blast. And we're walking out of True Dungeon, and I looked at Dave, I'm like, they probably spent a quarter each, and they had way more fun than we just had in True Dungeon. I mean, they were, like, laughing, having fun yelling, and, like, I mean, a 25-cent arcade machine is better than True Dungeon. True Dungeon, I completely despise it. This is the second time we did it. I thought it was going to be better because we had our own group. Not the case at all because of True Dungeon itself. Not because of our group, but because of the event. So I I do not ever want to do this again. Wow. That was my number one. Wow. Well said. <laughs> All right. Let's get some positivity going. Number three. <laughs> what are some good things about Gen Con? Number three for me, every now and then a game comes along that's so good that it obsoletes another game. Mm. When it's a dumb game that's obsoleted, it makes your top three list like this did. Wow. Codename Pictures. Oh. Not well, only did it obsolete one of the most overrated games out there. <laughs> It exposed it for the fraud that it was. It's originally very black and white, right? With the words, you know, what word is either going to be, you know, you're going to get lawnmower or not. With Codename Pictures, you know, it's got these these abstract art. So, you know, you can tie things together more and allow it allows for a more, the being a caller, there's more of an art form to doing that job. And it's less I'm screwed versus I'm not screwed. And when the guessing is going on, the guessing is less random. It's more based on, you know, what sort of thing in this picture do we think? Like when there's the one where I think it was like streak. Streaking. Yeah. 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 And it it applied to a couple different pictures. And it was it was interesting just to see how you guys did that. You can't do that with words. This game is so much better than Codenames. It's like it's not even they shouldn't even produce one more version of Codenames. Codename Pictures was really fun. I, I enjoyed it a lot. And, um, you know, from a game standpoint, from a caller standpoint, from a guesser standpoint, that game was my number three best moment. I like Codenames better. No, you don't. Tim, what's your number three? <laughs> You're wrong. Number three was <laughs> Saeed. Okay. Ooh. So I, I, I really love this game, even though I didn't win. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of that game that I like that I usually can't get you guys to play. Kind of like the Twilight Imperium, that kind of a style of game. This one's shorter play time, more, a little more simple. So it's kind of like tapping into that side of the genre that I usually can't play. So, yeah, number three. Good call. I didn't have that on my list, but it's a good call. Yep. So my number three was meeting listeners and other podcasters. So uh, I worked at the Dice Tower booth for an hour on Thursday before these guys were here, before these guys arrived. And got to meet the Prophet. We all met the prophet yes. actually later, but I, I met him first. He knew where we were going to be and he showed up. <laughs> Are you, is anyone else talking about that later or not? The prophet what meeting do you mean the prophet later? later in this episode. Oh, no. Okay. So we got to talk about this then because it is funny. We're at a restaurant and, and I had this chat room going for anyone at Gen Con could join this chat and they could find out where we were. So uh, the prophet joins the chat while we're sitting waiting for our food. <laughs> or, no, we're, seat, we're waiting to get seated. And the prophet joins our chat, and and I'm like, oh, hey, we're in, we're you know we're waiting for our food at Cafe Pistachio or whatever. 
And he's like, oh, I'm there. I'll, I'm, I'm already there. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be right over. So the prophet was Classic already moment. at the restaurant. He's the prophet. Yeah. So the prophet knew where we were going to be. But I met him at the Dice Tower booth too. And I and I believe the other listener that I met was named Brian. I'm sorry if your name wasn't Brian, but I, I seem to recall it was Brian, another listener that I met. So that was just cool. And not only that, but just kind of introducing myself to random people walking up to the Dice Tower booth and handing them our card and hoping that they would listen to our episode. Uh, and I also met, and this isn't the first time I met him, but Patrick, he's one of the hosts of Blue Pig, Pink Peg. I got to talk to him a little bit longer. I met him at Origins too, but we didn't have much of a chance to talk. Uh, and he's a really cool guy. If you haven't checked out their podcasts, uh, you definitely should do so. It's one of the best ones out there, actually, just overall. Uh, it's Blue Pig, Pink Peg. They're part of the Dice Tower Network. So meeting listeners and other podcasters was uh, my number three. Number two. Number two for me was um, no commitments. No commitments equals more fun. We had only one tournament. It was a one-night ultimate werewolf tournament where we had to kind of plan our night around it. But because we had no commitments, we were able to be very spontaneous with our games. Like the Sky game we played with James, he just happened to be kind of there. Like there was just so much more power we had over having fun because we didn't have commitments. We were able to be more spontaneous. And I think the cycle of games we played, this iteration of Gen Con, was much better than in the past because of that. That's my number two. Nice. My number two is Witch Hunt. Nice. I had a lot of fun at those games. James, James was your stand-in for a <laughs> okay, few of those. Okay. So, but yeah, I don't know. They just that game still intrigues me. Even even you know getting killed and going out and being the, yeah. the angel or demon. You're still involved. You're still trying to see. You still what people are talking about and helps you decide who you're going to protect or who you're going to. Now they don't call it shenanigans anymore. It's just uh, metal or something. Meddling. Like that. Yeah, Meddling. Yeah, yeah. So. It's like they, they needed better. they needed to simplify it. Yeah. So, but yeah, I still in, enjoyed that a lot. Which one is still a fun game? It's very fun. I enjoyed that much more than Werewolf. That's far. probably the best social game that's yeah. there. It'll be better once the mechanic. Kickstarter is shipped. Just yeah. saying. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. I might have been expecting that in February of this year, and it still don't even have a production copy to show us in pictures. What's your number two? So every Gen Con has it like a not every Gen Con, but. Throughout the years of Gen Con, you occasionally have like these magical evenings that you just forever remember. And when you look back on Gen Con, it's like the defining moment of that Gen Con. And for me, that was the night we had, we played Codenames Pictures. There's something about that night. Maybe it was just because it was the night that we got everyone together and we were just able to play games together. We were having so much fun just playing that game over and over and like, Something about just like Trevor and I ordered Domino's and it was like the best Domino's I've ever had. And then like it was so good that I ended up. Ordering yeah. Then that. Chris ordered it and then he was obsessing over like the Domino's app. There's just things that I'll never forget about this Gen Con. <laughs> and it all kind of culminated in this one night we had. And I just wish every night was like that at Gen Con. But it wasn't like that night was way more fun than than doing True Dungeon. You it wouldn't know? have been if we did regular code names. <laughs> I think it would have because well, you might not have had as much fun, but I don't know. There's just something about having us all together and playing that. It, those are like the things that make you want to go back to conventions or kind of those type of nights. So, Codenames Pictures Night that number was a two. Good, that was a good call. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, we already did my number one. It was the element of uh, it. Went, yeah, we'll have to review that game later. But when I saw that mechanic going, that I've never seen that in a game. Love it. Motivated speed. We'll talk more about that later in future episodes. <laughs> yeah, my number one is, yeah, kind of the same as it. It's a hanging with all the friends, getting everybody there, that that Codenames night where we played that, 
had the group together. We're all playing. Even the one night Ultimate Werewolf, even though we kind of got segregated in different tables, but then getting back together afterwards, talking about what was going on. But yeah, anyways, just just those times together playing with the friends that we went out meet there. Trevor seeing him because we you know it's not someone we normally see. This is great. I, I love that. That's a fun part. And then you know with Codename Pictures having to actually go borrow a card from <laughs> right. the people next to us, and that's one of the great things is. We, we didn't have a card that would allow us to make a bigger grid of codename pictures, which is what we wanted to do. There was someone next to us playing codenames. Right. So I actually just asked to borrow a card so that we could have the bigger grid. And they're like, oh, sure. Handed us a card. And, you know, it was really nice. And then after we were done, they were all over there asking, oh, who won? What happened? This stuff. So it was, <laughs> it was, a, it was just a very cool night, you know, yeah. seeing how friendly people there can be. Yep. So my number one was the Sunday game. I'm just going to call it generically the Sunday game because every year at Gen Con, the four, Chris, Tim, and I, and Dave, we always plan to play a game on Sunday morning. And I was looking forward to the Sunday game throughout the whole convention because I don't know why. I just, for some reason, it's like on Sunday, you're kind of bummed out that you're going to leave, but we always have like that one last thing we're going to do together. And so we played Scythe again for the second time at the convention. And it was just a fun time relaxing in our, up in our hotel. There's like less people around. There's nobody there. Yeah. I mean, it was just really, you're finishing off the convention with a, with a nice game together with your buddies before everyone goes home. So Sunday game, I look forward to it every year. And this year I uh, did not disappoint. Yeah. That was a good moment. I like that too. No vendor hall on Sunday for me. I got to have that done before. Yeah, that was a problem. That was so annoying that I had to run off to get stuff that I knew I had to get the whole weekend and I waited till that point on Sunday. It was yeah. very stressful, very irritating and yeah, I'm going to have to do that on Thursday or Friday now. I think Thursday is the day to just get all the vendor hall I, stuff done. I yeah. didn't go to the vendor hall for more than <laughs> 30 to 60 seconds. <laughs> I hate the vendor hall and I don't know if I have to turn in my gamer badge for this but I find it just despicable there. Like I have no desire to be there. It's so crowded with people. It is crowded. You, you can't get anywhere. It's it's oppressive, and I don't know. There's something very negative about it. So it was nice though. You stepped outside the main doors though. They had a big map posted, which I did because I was trying to find two specific places. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, I wandered around for half an hour. I couldn't find anything. Went out, looked at the map, found out exactly where they were, and I could go hit it. So I didn't need to have a book or the app. They had a nice map there. So I'll give them kudos for that. And it was not as bad as last year, yeah. but it was still. It was way bigger. It was still crowded. Yeah. I thought it was still too crowded. Yeah, it's still crowded. I didn't even, yeah, we didn't even go to the art show, which we typically find. Dave sometime. and I wandered through there yeah. real quick. And then we, we just like, let's get out of here. I, yeah, I went in there a lot actually, but like for not, not for long periods of time though. I don't know. I don't. I'm not really into the vendor hall either because I don't want to buy games for full full price. Oh, no. It's just hard to browse. It's too yeah. crowded. Yeah. The yeah. demos would be nice, but I think there's so many people there looking to do demos that your demo literally is sit down, they vomit the rules at you, you get to play for five minutes, and they're like, okay, get lost. We have the next people to explain yeah. to. Yep. Yeah, I've never really enjoyed doing demos either. Yeah. Well, that was a jam-packed episode. Yes, it was. We hope you guys enjoyed it. I guess it's time to, to wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Wrap it so you can find us at outofgamepodcast.com. Again, one of the best websites ever designed. Uh, you can find our guild. It's Board Game Geek Guild 1990. Uh, you can get to our guild from our webpage by clicking the Board Game Geek guy. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Stitcher at... 
OG podcast. And you can email us at autogamepodcast at gmail.com. And you can leave us a voicemail at 40OOG80. By the way, so far the prophet is the only person to ever leave us a voicemail. So it's very sad. I almost want to just rename it to the prophet line. So call us on the prophet line. You can, <laughs> you can buy great games at amazing prices at coolstuffinc.com. And you can find more great podcasts of the Dice Tower Network at dicetowernetwork.com. Good night, everyone. Good night. Today is actually the last day for the contest as of this recording, so I don't know who the winner is yet. Is Future Ryan going to tell us? Nah. Future Ryan. So next episode, we'll talk about it? Well, I, I want to just some of the guild size. Okay. Because we won't be able to talk about it next episode either due to the space-time continuum. Future Ryan could hit the <laughs> yeah, next I mean, episode. Future Ryan has to do something about it. <laughs> you guys are giving Future Ryan a hard time right now. I know. Future Ryan doesn't have a lot of time on his hands. <laughs> That's all I had. It wasn't that Are bad. Are you sure? Yeah, that's it. I'm no, at the end of my... Are you sure? Oh! Oh, yeah. I, we moved that to next episode. Sorry. We did? Yeah. Oh, we can do it now. No, it's all right. Let's move it. It's fine. <laughs> we, we referenced it earlier, so we have to cut it out. We didn't really reference it. So, future... I was going to ask you something. This part out. So, I should just ask you something. Well, no, you can ask me I next. did. I just asked you something. Okay. I asked you what game you've chosen. There you go. And you didn't have an answer. I didn't have an answer. <laughs> this has been really... The flow. I know what game I'll choose. Like, Mystic Veil. Mystic Veil. Have you you played that game? I have. Oh. When? <laughs> I played this last game night. You know what I think it's time for, Chris? What is it time for? You know, I have this segment called Grill Ryan that we do occasionally. Hmm. And then you have a segment called the Board Game Food Truck, which everyone loves. Board Game Food Truck. But you know, Tim, Tim joined the podcast a year ago. Side note. We're doing this the next We're one. doing it. We are? Yeah, we moved it. Yeah, we moved it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. I still have it in my... Hello, blooper reel. Yeah. <laughs> nice to see you. <laughs>